the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And uh, today, the topic, uh, the title of our wink, what you need to know is the speaker, the speaker, sounds pretty obvious if you're thinking about it, the speaker, excuse me, the speaker, no rules, and C-SPAN. What you need to know today is the speaker, no rules, and C-SPAN. We'll talk about it in a moment. We got some great guests. We'll finally catch up with my friend Cheryl Chumley. You know, I've never laid eyes on her in person. I've seen pictures of her. I've seen photos, interviews. She does a podcast herself. She's over at the Washington Times, and she is, I think, the digital editor does a bunch of stuff there, but she's also someone who writes a column. And I've been wanting for two weeks, almost three weeks, to talk to her about the column that we're going to finally get to today. She was away. She was in the Holy Land, and we'll see if she'll give us a report on that. So we'll talk with her and a lot more after that. So, But first, what you need to know. What you need to know today is that you should be focused on the fact that the events that happened last week four-plus days of fighting over who should be speaker, it was excellent. It was excellent. Now, why was it excellent? One, Kevin McCarthy showed how if you're going to be a big league leader, you got to be a big league leader. Now, remember when there was uh, some of you may, may remember this. There was a famous baseball manager named Billy Martin. And Billy Martin was his personality was cantankerous, uh, like Earl Weaver. Uh, you know, it was there. They were famous for being, you know, uh, Lou Pinella was an umpire, was a manager for a while in baseball. And he'd go out and he'd, he'd yell and scream and throw a uh, pull the pull the bases off the moorings and throw them around, all this kind of stuff. And then there's other guys that you didn't you couldn't fluster. Uh, Mike Matheny, when I was uh, when when he was a manager of the Cardinals, I was a fan of his. Very cool. Very cool. Right. So. It's different styles, different styles. Kevin McCarthy, at the top level, with his career hanging in the balance, he's a 57-year-old man. He spent his entire career getting to this point to become Speaker of the House, one of the most important jobs in American life. And he was about to, he was almost this close to losing it. And he was cool, at least uh, above board and outside and, and, and under the lights that were shining with the cameras rolling. He was cool. And let me, we're going to get to that in a moment because I told you this wink, what you need to know today is the speaker, no rules and C-SPAN. So at the time, it was this limbo the last four or five days last week because there were no rules to the House. The House has to pass its own rules. They're worried about it today. They're, they're passing it uh, this early this week. I'm not sure what day of the week. But Kevin McCarthy, so there was no rules. And the rule that meant there's no rules. And one of the no rules is that nobody knew what to do with C-SPAN. Because C-SPAN started about 40 years ago, 35 years ago. They put cameras in the chambers. They put cameras in a lot of places now, as you know, C-SPAN 1, 2, 3. But C-SPAN's origins was the cable news company said, let us put a camera in the back of the chamber so we can cover what's going on, the votes and all. And under the rules of Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats, you were only allowed to have one camera, maybe two cameras, but stationary. You couldn't hold, you couldn't uh, zoom in on anything. And consequently, the coverage was always this generic uh, running video from the back of the room. 
because there were no rules, because there was no speaker yet, last week for about four days, you had C-SPAN cameras. They were not limited by the Pelosi rules. See, Pelosi was queen of the world. She got her people to vote for her, and then she was in charge of everything. She controlled everything. From office space to C-SPAN cameras to budgeting to bills to amendments to the Capitol Police. Forget it, all of it. But McCarthy, because he was in this limbo, he had to, first of all, we'll get to it in a minute. He had to negotiate the rules, which are going to be passed this week. But also there were none. And C-SPAN was able to hone in. You could see Margaret Ta- Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene handing, trying to hand her phone to another member, and it had Donald Trump on the phone. You could see it. You could read the lips of some of the guys and gals talking to each other on the floor. You could see up close what was happening. It was awesome. If you don't like transparency, you may not like seeing real. You know, it's like uh, if you want to watch a sitcom, sitcoms aren't real. Situation comedies. I have a, I have an 18-year-old daughter. She watches Friends a lot. And it's a terrible show. I mean, it, it's kind of funny in ways, but it's not real. It's like MASH wasn't real. Cheers wasn't real. Sitcoms aren't real. And even reality TV isn't real. You know, reality TV, we all learn, is pretty staged. You learn over time. Uh, you, you, you could say that, um, at least the, uh, the, um, the, uh, uh, award games, the, you know, the game shows are not staged. They're not fixed. They were at one point in the 1950s, I think it was. And they're not fixed, but they're pretty much staged, managed. C-SPAN was covering real, real sausage making. People getting annoyed with each other, people getting chummy with each other, bad guys talking to good guys. At one point, Congressman Gosar, perceived as a conservative, pretty conservative, but vilified by the media as a really a not nice guy, terrible. He's a nice guy, really nice guy, dentist. He ended up sitting down next to AOC, and they were talking about stuff. And you're like, what? How can that be? That's like a, the devil talking to the devil. How can this be? And each side would have something to say. It was awesome. It was awesome. Kevin McCarthy showed what it takes to succeed. Awesome display. It was no rules, which meant that there was lots and lots of action, lots and lots of battling. It was great. It was great. All good. Don't get don't get uh, dissuaded when somebody says, oh, it's supposed to be done with closed room, back room deals just all over real quick. No, it was great. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And C-SPAN, by the way, it's access. I'm hoping. And I'm praying that the access that C-SPAN got will continue. I hope that there will be a move to say, hey, let's continue. Let's allow people, allow people to see that. And it will be up to the Republicans to pass that. It will only be the Republicans. If the Republicans don't do it, it'll be because they don't want to do it. Because the Democrats can't block the rules. The rules will be passed by a party line vote. And they will set up the committees. They will set up the rules, the way things are going to be done. And so it would be great if they allowed that. But now the rules are going to be passed. One of the things about the rules, the rules sets up committee structure. It sets up how bills are going to be argued, amendment process, motion to vacate the chair, which is a way to take back the speakership. All that stuff was on the table in the last week or so, and it was negotiated. So what you're going to see in the rules proposal and what will pass is something that is made much better, made much better by the intensity of the coverage and the intensity of the action last week. And if you look, remember my wink from last week, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, I said, uh, I said, Kevin McCarthy is the first digital speaker. And what I really meant there was 100% transparency. In real time, you had C-SPAN looking at what was happening for hours and hours and hours, you know, from noon until 10 at night. 
11, no, noon until one in the morning on Friday. And, and, and so, and the whole world fixated through social media and they could talk about it, predict about it, respond to it, send text, direct message, MC, MTG, Kevin McCarthy, AOC, Gosar, Gates, uh, jo- uh, Jordan, Rogers, the guy from Alabama who got mad and was supposedly, I don't know, he stepped towards him. All this kind of stuff. And more importantly, rules, rules, rules. And the rules are going to be better for the American people. I guarantee you. Does it mean that a lot of stuff's going to pass? Probably less. But you know what? We don't need more legislation. And none of it's going to go anywhere anyway, because the Senate's never going to allow it. They're going to protect Biden. The Democrats in the Senate will protect Biden. And even if something gets through there, he's going to veto if it's any good. But you know what we have? The rules, 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 edgy, fighting, battle-style Republicans. Let's go. Now they got oversight. <laughs> they got oversight. And, and the, the mindset becomes more transparency, more aggressiveness. Let's get to the bottom of stuff. Let's be fearless. All good. All good. One last thing you need to know. Trump locked it down for McCarthy. If Trump had quit on McCarthy, the game's over. Scalise or Stefanik or somebody. And Trump didn't do it. It's like a Kavanaugh moment. A lot of conservatives, no, not a lot. Some Republicans and some conservatives will complain about Kavanaugh. But there was a moment where Trump could have bailed on Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh is a conservative. He'll be good for a long time. McCarthy is going to be good for as long as we have him. He's not going to be perfect. I didn't say he was, but he's going to be good. And Trump did that. People that are writing these uh, stories about Trump is this, Trump is that, nobody cares, all that, just wrong. Go down and see what happened. Finally, the logjam was broken when Trump told the six, just vote present and allow this thing to move ahead. What you need to know is McCarthy, first digital speaker, and no rules, and C-SPAN, and Donald Trump. What a deal. What a deal. Great stuff. All right, everybody, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get Cheryl Chumley, finally, on this great column she wrote. I've been looking forward to talking to her and a lot more. And Later this week, we'll get John Schlafly in his weekly column. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink right there. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our listeners, uh, uh, Cheryl, have been, it's like I've been doing a travel log. I, I Maybe I shouldn't have done it. I I didn't say it more than once, but I said that we're going to have Cheryl Chumley on when she gets back from her, her trip to the Holy Land. I was so excited about that, so I didn't. I don't know. If, <laughs> probably should have been a little more careful. I probably said it once or twice over the holidays, but not clear when. But glad you're back and you had a great trip. First of all, tell again, you, do you mind? Uh, we're talking with Cheryl Chumley, of course, who's the uh, digital editor over at the Washington Times and a columnist herself and author of many books. Um, was that your first time to the Holy Land? It was my very first time. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Was it I, I went, um, I was asked to be a keynote speaker as part of the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. Wow. And uh, I spoke and then I spent um, another 10 days there touring and meeting with various people and so forth. It was, it was work related, but I saw so much. 
Well, and you, I, I, again, I mean, if you read your uh, writings and you follow you, you're, 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 you're clear on your faith, um, something that matters a lot to you and that is a part of sort of what you've done and who you are and what you write about. Um, that part of it must have been, I mean, again, again, I'm, I'm like you about, I think I'm about the same age. I'm not a kid. So if I went when I was 23, it might have been different than if I went today when I'm in my 50s. It must have been something to, at this point in your life to be there. To, to walk where Jesus walked, yeah. to actually touch uh, places where he touched, and to, uh, you know, be on the waters, to take a boat out on the waters where he walked on waters, the mm. Sea of Galilee. It, it was. It was amazing. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite spots to visit was Megiddo, the, the battleground wow. yeah. of what's coming, right? Yeah. And it was awesome to me to look out on the plains and to imagine the battle that's going to take place. And know that we as Christians have already won. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a thing. Well, I hope you're going to write about it some. Uh, I know with all your different uh, uh, avenues that you write at the Washington Times and also CherylChumley.com is her website. You can see her books. Uh, in fact, I looked at the tagline, Cheryl, Crumley, Cheryl, Cheryl Chumley, Christian conservative writer, author, speaker. So it's right there. So, all right. But I did want to get back to you on this column that you re- that ran on the 16th of December. So a little bit ago, but it doesn't matter because it's not the it wasn't it wasn't sort of uh, only related to uh, events at that time. But the focus focus of it and why I was so interested is this question of um, uh, social credit scores and the growing. um, It's one thing to acknowledge the lack of privacy. We all sort of feel that it's another thing to realize uh, that we have this um, uh, growing part of the world in communist China that that does this. They have a they have a system that tracks what you're doing um, and that it 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 doesn't look that far off from uh, here at home in America. No, it doesn't. And, you know, it's funny. If you ask people outright, do you think that we should have a social credit system where the government gets to give you the thumbs up whether you're allowed to travel freely or not based on, say, your energy use or your environmentalism and so forth? People will say, no, of course not. But if you look at, you know, how the government is slowly pushing us into this very system, a lot of people are just being complicit. They're saying, well, you know, we're We're used to having vaccine standards now. We're used to being told by the government to take the COVID shots and all the boosters. And now some people are still refusing to take them. So that's unfair for the rest of us. So we need the government to come in and create this uh, check system where they can ensure that all are playing by the rules fairly and so forth. And that's where you get like your social credit system. It'll come by way of something that the American people want in order to be fair and equitable. But really what it is, is the government exerting its will, its surveillance will on all of society in the name of some so-called good. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Cheryl Chumley, and uh, she's the online opinion editor over at the Washington Times, and uh, WashingtonTimes.com is the website, and over at CherylChumley.com, you can see her books. One of them is uh, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. It looks more and more uh, <laughs> more and more uh, prescient as as you see, you see what's going on. Back to this, um, d- d- does the... Do you find, Cheryl, I mean, your job is as a communicator, writer and author, but also because of the Washington Times, you can see what people react to. Do people understand 
that you can look to, say, the, the totalitarian regimes and see how this is done? Or are they just caught up in it? I know you quote Jordan Peterson in, in, in the piece, and Jordan Peterson has this incredible energetic following. Uh, uh, people, they either love him, and when they love him, they really are informed. I meet people all the time. They're like, uh, he helped me think about things differently. If they hate him, they hate him with a pure hatred, it seems. But, but you know, when you when you talk about someone like him as um, sort of a, uh, a voice of expertise or people would trust him, I guess. But then, I mean, it, it makes me crazy. If you look at the Chinese, they admit that this is what they're doing. It's a communist totalitarian control thing. And yet on our side, we're like, well, you know, I mean, if you're just going to have uh, biometrics just to be able to get on the plane easier, I- I'm OK with that. And and, you know, if you're just going to have to make sure that, you know, uh, my 90 year old granny who I love so much isn't going to die. Well, I'm OK with that. I mean, it, it, it does does the examples from other cultures and nations. Do you think they're working or are we just sort of in our own mindset? Well, if they were working, we wouldn't be (laughs) where we're at in America right now, right? Right. The the problem is that there are too many uh, out there who sort of scoff at the notion of America turning into a communist nation. They find it ridiculous. Well, I remember just during my short 20-year career of reporting, there was a time when if you asked a a politician if a particular policy that they were proposing was socialist or not, that they would gasp and retreat in horror because they didn't want that dreaded S word next to their name. Now it's out in the open. So this is how far we've moved in just a short decade or two. And look, we're not far from a collectivist nation right now. We just aren't fully acknowledging it right now. And even those people who are acknowledging what's happening in America and are trying to fight against it, they're finding that the systems are run by either the leftists uh, who don't care if America crumbles, the globalists who want to work with the World Economic Forum in China to crumble or America. America, or to those secularists out there who just think that America with the concept of God-given rights is something that is outdated and we need to move past. So they, like the other two groups, want to crumble America as well. Uh, Cheryl Chumley is our guest again over the Washington Times. Um, she is uh, the uh, online opinion editor and she writes herself columns there. That's the one we're referring to that uh, I'm looking at. Um, late in the piece that you're talking about, you're talking about the... the um, <clears throat> the slide towards, you know, digital passport and all this centralization. And then you say this, read the tea leaves. You're talking to the the reader, read the tea leaves, actually read the Bible. And you go on for a little bit. And then you say, um, it's a bleak future, but it doesn't have to be just a few men and women of solid moral character with bold determination to bring America back today where God-given rights prevailed and government entities were truly subservient to people would do much to end the totalitarian evils that loom large. Just a few. God doesn't need a majority. Um, those, those are your words. Cheryl, uh, it feels like most of us, I'll put myself in there, are sort of stuck. And they don't really believe that. It feels like, I mean, I hear you. I, I think I do, but I'm just saying I'm putting myself in the, it feels like a lot of people are stuck or stalled. And they sometimes run towards a bright, shiny object or a candidate but it doesn't seem to be a vision. Is that is the problem they skip the first part, read the Bible, I mean, and, and find that it's really rooted there and you're instead you're trying to see if you can get, you know, the Congress to save you or the candidate to save you? Is that is that the mix? It just feels like a lot of people uh, uh, feel stalled. 
Yeah, if you're putting your hope for America on the next political election, then you've already lost, right? Look, I'm one of the first people to say that Christians need to get involved in politics. I have very little patience for the Christians who say, well, I live in this world, but not of this world, so I don't have to vote and all that. They're not doing their good civic duty, you know, in my view. But at the same time, you have to recognize that our solution is not, our savior is not a politician. So if you're not reading the Bible first and arming yourself each day for battle and relying on God to do the hard work and you just to do the humble service and hold the light for others to see and flock around, then you're kind of failing in, in how to be most effective at fighting for our nation. Cheryl Chumley, I'm glad you're safely back from your awesome pilgrimage. I hope you're going to write about that some either on your website or in the Washington Times. Cheryl Chumley, of course, is the Washington Times online opinion editor. You can go. She's on Twitter at CK Chumley, but also CherylChumley.com. Thanks for taking the time, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll put up on social media. I'll link to uh, both. I'll make sure I put up her Twitter feed as well as the column that I referenced. That's really good. Uh, it's a really good piece. And I, I kind of got sidetracked with her about some of what's going on. Uh, but you want to read that one. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with Bill Pasco. Now, Bill, a long time ago, I don't know, 10, 12, I don't know how many years ago, a long time now, we're getting old. He and I, I came across Bill, and even then he was uh, advising and helping uh, conservatives and probably better to say sort of insurgent conservatives get involved and get active. And he is now uh, with the Tea Party Patriots. He's been with them a long time. He is the spokesman for them, but also he wears, bears the title, uh, the Tea Party Patriots. Patriots man in Washington. I love that, Bill. I'm so happy that I'm, I want to be called that for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, the man in Washington. But first of all, welcome back, Bill. How are you? Hey, it's it's great to be with you, Ed. I am well. I hope you are half as well as I am. If you uh, well, are, you're, you're sitting pretty today. <laughs> there you go. Well, Bill, um, I, the reason I got flagged to catch up with you is we're going back uh, now to the the House of Representatives. In for four days, there were no rules, and therefore C-SPAN could hone in on uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's cell phone, and you know, and C-SPAN could go in and see if people were lip syncing because either when when there were rules, they were Pelosi's rules, and Pelosi didn't allow anything. Everything was under control, including C-SPAN. Uh, but that's that's a kind of I mean that's that's an important thing, transparency, I guess. But that's not the real heart of the rules what happens now now you come back and you got a razor thin republican majority in the u.s house that has to basically set up the operating system for the next two years how the bills will be filed how the bills will be voted on what committees there are and how likely is it that they can get to agreement if they fought over the speaker last week well, the, the idea, typically the majority party, as soon as they elect the speaker, they turn around, they swear in the speaker, then they swear in the members. All right, now we've got an operating House of Representatives. But as you just pointed out, they're still not operating under any set of rules that they've all agreed to, because that's something that each individual Congress does for itself. Right. There, right. It's not like the, the House is different from the Senate. The Senate is a continuing body. Uh, so the Senate has actually been in existence since 
1789. The House of Representatives reconstitutes itself every two years, and that means they have to come up with their own rules every two, every two years. And so we've got a 55-page rules package that they'll be voting on this evening. Starting at around 6.30 will be the vote series. Uh, now, the, the fun part is that last week, while we were watching them flail through 15 ballots to settle on a speaker, part of what was going on was that a bunch of the people who were who were unwilling to vote for Kevin McCarthy on the early ballots right. were using their votes as bargaining leverage. They wanted to get a better rules package that would lead to better outcomes for conservatives. Everybody knows uh, if you change the rules, you change the outcome of any game. Uh, so they wanted to let, let me give you an example. Yeah, please. Under do. the old rules, uh, under the old rules, if you wanted to pass a tax increase, passing a tax increase was like any other piece of legislation. It required a majority vote. Well, now under the new rules package that they'll be voting on, if that rules package is passed and becomes the new rules for the 118th Congress to pass a tax increase will require a three fifths supermajority vote. In other words, it's going to be harder to raise taxes in this Congress than it was in the last Congress. Uh, that, that's a great example. On the spending side, they've brought back what's called the Holman Rule. Now, the Holman Rule is, has been around for almost 150 years. It goes back to the mid-1870s. Uh, and what the Holman Rule says is you cannot appropriate funds for a program that hasn't been authorized. Now, that sounds like, well, why <laughs> sounds, would you even think sounds, that you could? <laughs> that sounds sane. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, well. <laughs> it, it, sounds so, it sounds so basic. Guess what? The last time the Congress authorized the State Department was in 2002. They've been appropriating funds for the State Department for 20 years without an authorization. That's just one example. Now, another thing the Holman Rule does, and this is, this is the one that I love, is uh, it allows you to target individual line items for cutting. So rather than say, we're going to cut the budget of the Department of Interior, you could say, I'm going to cut the budget for the Office of the Assistant Secretary of the Interior for Minerals and Mining and Geology. And in particular, I want to cut the salary of the Deputy Assistant Secretary to $1 a year. Can I fire that guy? No, I can't fire him. The Congress doesn't have the power to fire an executive branch bureaucrat, but I can reset his salary. So no longer does he make 150000 thousand dollars a year now he makes one dollar a year maybe he'll get the hint right you know who else who, who else they could cut they could cut dr fauci's salary if he wasn't already planning to leave government service that, that's a great example of, of the holman rule in action uh we're talking so, with, we're talking with bill pasco again the tea party patriots um and uh um a longtime observer of this so but bill um tell me how much progress was made i you know the late phyllis Lafley, for whom i worked i would put you and her in the same category meaning you're fighting for uh, principles, you're fighting for a vision of the country, and you don't always get it. And when you don't always get it, you can either go home, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, howl at the moon, or you can keep coming back for another day. And I think that Tea Party Patriots, among other other groups, has sort of shown that second one, like Phyllis did. Um, so what do you, how do you feel? I mean, when you look at this rules package, is it the best you've seen? Is this the best moment in a House governance in uh, 40 years? Uh, look, uh, yes and no, because there's two sides to this. <laughs> okay. There, there's two sides to this. Yes, it's the best rules package that okay. I've seen. 
This The rules package is set up, uh, and there's one more thing that I want to talk about that's not part of the rules package, but was part of the deal that was negotiated, and that is Republican conservatives will now have three seats on the House Rules Committee. The House Rules Committee is the way the Speaker controls the floor. None, no bill gets to the floor of the House without first going through the Rules Committee. It's more powerful than the Appropriations Committee, more powerful than the Ways and Means Committee, because even after the Ways and Means Committee or the Energy and Commerce Committee or the Appropriations committee, even after they've dealt with a bill, they've marked it up, they've amended it, they've finalized it, they send it to the floor. Oops, wait, it's got to stop first at the Rules Committee. And in the Rules Committee, the Rules Committee itself can amend the legislation. They can add a provision, they can take out a provision. So it's kind of the the last stop before it gets to the floor. We're now, and by we, I mean we conservatives, like you, me, like Phyllis was, like Tea Party Patriots are, we are now going to have a third of the votes on the Republican side. Now, that's important because this committee doesn't make, unlike all the other committees, it doesn't make any difference what the balance of power in the House is. It could be a one-seat Republican majority. It could be a hundred-seat Republican majority. And all the other committees, their ratios of Republicans and Democrats are based on the same ratio of what the House is, not the Rules Committee. The Rules Committee is controlled by the Speaker. On the Rules Committee, there are always nine members of the majority party, four members of the minority party. So the majority has twice as many votes as the minority, plus one for good measure. Now, we've had four members because we've been in the minority for the last several years. Now we have to go to five. We have to add five more to get to nine. Three of the new five are going to be conservatives. And that means if they want, if they don't like a rule, if they don't like a bill and they want a rule that's going to allow them to offer amendments on the floor and the, the Republican leadership doesn't want that and says, no, 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 we, we want this to be a closed rule. We, want, we don't want to deal with any amendments on the floor. Well, guess what? Those three conservatives could vote with with the Democrats on the committee to defeat the rule and force the leadership to open up a rule to amendments. This gives conservatives more power than they have had procedurally in in the course of my professional lifetime. And I've been doing this since Ronald Reagan's first election as president in 1980. This is a remarkable rules package. Uh, The reason I wasn't sure, I I said said it's good and bad, is Uh personnel also makes a difference. So, Uh and and that, we just got to see how that plays out. But we're set up here for a lot of a lot of successes. Bill, um, one of the things that you, again, would be uh, so aware of and professionally been uh, gifted at and successful at is is not just messaging, but how things look and sound. Um, I think we could probably do another whole program on the, the, the insanity of the, the the fake news and the and big tech and all. But um, but differently, um, I was saying ranting earlier about how cool it was that there were no rules and C-SPAN was all over the place on the floor and that I thought it was really great that you had all these per- personalities and and you had all this attention on on sort of what I think turned out to be you know Kevin McCarthy came I think Kevin McCarthy came out looking like a star I mean he didn't lose his cool he he looked and go- and sounded right he finished right he didn't finish and say now watch me punish you guys you and I both know in politics there'll be some punishing around I mean but he was smart in how he did it all kinds of things I, you know Matt Gates all these people but um it's a close 
it's a very close majority. The reality is they're not going to get much past. The Democrats aren't going to let anything through the Senate. Biden's not going to let it. So the real role here is to show what a, what the governing looks like. Oversight plus, as you point out, things that make you say, oh, wow, you're actually going to vote on a bill and you know what's in it. That kind of stuff. How how problematic is the closeness of the majority? Is that what holds it together or does it end up causing it to be? Uh, I mean, how worried are you about it? Uh, I, I was worried about it until uh, I reviewed the last two years of Democrat control, where the Democrats, <laughs> where Nancy Pelosi had exactly the same size majority that Kevin McCarthy is not going to work with for the next two years. Did the Democrats lose a single bill that they put on the floor over the last two years? Not that I'm aware of. Right. Certainly nothing that Nancy Pelosi announced ahead of time she really wanted. Right. Now, I think we've just gone through the exercise and the fact that ultimately, look, look it, you know, watching the sausage being made is never pretty. Four days last week was excruciating to those of us who, who watch who watch this stuff as intently as you and I do. But the end result is a very tasty meal, I will say. And and what we're going to see, you, you, you just hit the nail on the head with one word that is very important. We need to touch on that. And that is oversight. Right. Oversight. We haven't had any oversight of the Biden administration for two years. The taxpayers have had no idea what's going on. Um, I, I can tell you because I was just looking at a poll earlier today, several weeks ago, the Harvard Harris poll did a survey of 1851 registered voters. They asked they wanted to find out how how bad is the misinformation level of the American public when it comes to illegal border crossings at our southern border and what we found out to make a long story short is that people do not have any idea how bad the problem is 87% of the respondents said now the real number is about 3 million people illegally crossed into the United States in fiscal year 2022 3 million people right uh, 87% of the people People who were surveyed said it was far less than that, yeah. far less than that. Um, so they have no idea how bad the problem is. One of the reasons they have no idea how bad the problem is is because for two years, the Democrats haven't done any oversight. They haven't grilled Alejandro Mayorkas. They haven't called him in front of their committee and said, explain this to us. You have a non-detention policy. You're violating the laws of the United States and watch him try to explain his way out of it. We've had no oversight. We're going to have oversight now. Now, beyond that, though, you're right. The Senate is not going to pass anything that House Republicans are going to send them, and then we're going to we're going to we're, we're going to come to nail biting time. Uh, nevertheless, I would say you know the first vote on a piece of legislation tonight is going to be on the Small Business and Taxpayer Protection Act, which is going to rescind the unobligated funds to pay for the eighty seven thousand new IRS employees. Right. That is, we last December, just a month ago, we passed that one point seven trillion dollar monstrosity. Before that, you will recall, we passed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, should have been called the Inflation Enhancement Act. Um, that, that spends, again, multiple trillions of dollars, and that included the funding for the 87,000 new IRS employees to be hired. $80 billion they set aside. Wow. 
the administration has begun to obligate that money. So I'm sure there's not $80 billion. Not all of the $80 billion right. is left. They've probably obligated a couple billion dollars already. But there's still a huge pot of money there. The vast majority of it hasn't been spent yet. So the first bill the House deals with tonight, the first substantive bill after they pass the rules package will be pull, pull to rescind down. the unobligated funds. Hmm. That's a great bill. Is yeah. it going to go anywhere in the Senate? I, I do not think so. But and, and this is your listeners have to understand there's going to be a lot of these bills that look great coming out of the House and then they run into a brick wall in the Senate. And, yet, and some people are going to say, why are you passing stuff that's just a pipe dream? Why are you getting the grassroots excited about something that's not going to happen? And all I can tell you is we got to spend the next two years using our control of the House of Representatives to offer a different vision of how government yeah. works and what government should be doing. I think that's so exactly, that people, think, yeah, in 2024, right. they'll, they'll, they'll have a choice. clear idea. Democrats want this. Republicans want that. Yep. Yep. All right. I got to run. Bill Pasco, uh, the, the our man. Well, I should I pay Tea Party Patriots man in Washington. All of our man in Washington. Spokes, uh, spokesman for the Tea Party Patriots action. If you go over, I'll make sure to put up on social media, but you go to uh, TeaPartyPatriots.org and find out more. A lot of there there also. So thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Ed. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. By the way, I put up on social media all links to that, uh, what he's talking about. There are some great articles on uh, the topic of this rules package and also this notion that you're going to have to show governing how it looks so people get an understanding of it. I think that's going to be an important part of messaging. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Last fall, Donald Trump took center stage in Ohio, and he pre-announced that his re-election campaign would begin on November 15th. This calculated move was meant as a preemptive strike against the politicized prosecutors who seemed to be targeting Trump. Democrats are persecuting their political opponents and silencing dissent, Trump declared to the immense Ohio crowd. Six straight years of witch hunts, hoaxes and abuses against him as they're coming after me because I'm fighting for you, Trump added. He continued by referring to Democrats persecution of him and his supporters as a complete and total corruption of our Justice Department and the rule of law, turning our country into a police state. Trump was right to call attention to this issue, particularly in light of how True the Vote founder Catherine Engelbrecht spent a week in jail after her efforts to restore election integrity. Ambushed by lawfare and an ex parte injunction issued without giving her an initial opportunity to oppose it, Engelbrecht was locked up for protecting a source against retaliation. This unmerited imprisonment was more than a mere inconvenience. She was stripped of her dignity, forced to let prison guards watch her shower and change, and subjected to treatment that no innocent person should have to endure. Trump admired Engelbrecht in Ohio, appalled by her imprisonment, and the Fifth Circuit freed her with a unanimous emergency order soon after. Senator Ted Cruz warned the Justice Department against attempting to prosecute Trump. Cruz said that if Biden treats the Department of Justice as partisan stormtroopers, then Congress is justified in using whatever tools Congress has to stop that abuse of power, including defunding it. Apparently, the justices fail to recognize that liberals politicize prosecution are a form of voter suppression, which Democrats claim to oppose. 
Democrats' weaponized prosecutions are a voter suppression far worse than anything that they accuse Republicans of doing. Threatening to indict political candidates such as Donald Trump interferes with the people's right to elect their preferred candidate. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, wrapping things up, uh, interesting news that's coming out of um, Washington, uh, D.C., and something to track is the um, they're picking the people who will head up the committees in the House. And while it's true that you get a lot of attention on oversight and judiciary, there are some other ones that really matter. And one of them that I was interested to see is uh, the Ways and Means Committee. Ways and Means Committee is the committee that will uh, oversee all of the taxes, the IRS, and all that kind of stuff. Well, the congressman who was elected chairman of that, it's the House Ways and Means Committee, is Jason Smith of Missouri. He's a congressman. He's only 42 years old. He's been in Congress for about 10 years. He is a very smart guy. He's a very, uh, when he was in the, uh, excuse me, the Missouri House, I know him very well. He moved up to being, I think, uh, deputy uh, um, speaker of the House or the number two or so and uh, was a, a coming guy. But he ended up in Congress and spent about 10 years and has worked his way up. It's a big, big deal. The Ways and Means Committee of the U.S. House is, um, when you talk about oversight, when you talk about policy, it's a very big job. It's a job that will um, be as important as maybe any others. Remember, if you're going to look at the 87,000 new agents that were in the last uh, Congress, um, the $80 billion pay increase that the IRS was given, that's to target the American people. Well, this is the front lines guy. Now, he's going to have to be a negotiator. Right. He's got to try to get in the room on some things and get them done with the uh, with the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, but he will also be a guy whose uh, voice will be uh, loud, uh, will voice will be um, heard on policy and on setting the tone. He's a real smart guy. He's a tall guy. I don't know. He's probably six, two or three. He's kind of very uh, w- likable. Um, people get along with him well. He raised a boatload of money to be able to be one of the leaders in this last time. But he's just a very good guy. Um, he's pretty darn conservative. I would say, you know, he comes out of uh, uh, rural Missouri, you know, very pro-life, very pro-family. Uh, but he also has been in the legislature for, I don't know, 20 years now since he was in his mid-20s. So 16, 17 years, the Missouri legislature and then the U.S. Congress, the U.S. House. And there was a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, um, encouragement that he should run for U.S. Senate and uh, for the seat that was being vacated by Roy Blunt. And he decided not to. Well, I think he made the right choice because you could be a senator for a long time and not have as much power and influence as you do as Ways and Means Committee chairman. Uh, so good luck to Jason Smith. He's a good guy. I think he'll do very well. And um, I think you're allowed to serve for maybe three terms as a chairman. So in theory, the next six years, he could be chairman uh, and have a Republican president, perhaps. 
uh, and have an opportunity to do more. So uh, we'll see. All right, we got to run. Uh, thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Ryan Hyde, our associate producer, and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.